today, class, we're going to talk about delegation. <sighs> You're listening to Braving Bad Bosses with Jeff DeWolf and Todd Chandler, where we discuss how to survive a bad boss and not be one. Okay, welcome back to Braving Bad Bosses, Season 3. As you know, Season 3, we're talking about breaking the cycle. We've taken a little break from our normal routine, which is to discuss how to survive under really bad bosses. And uh, we all have had them, most likely. But for now, Todd Chandler, my partner, has graciously allowed me to take a season and just kind of talk to people about leadership and how to break the cycle of bad bossing. And so I'm excited to continue to do that. We're following the chapters of a book I wrote that came out in December of 2019 called Leaders Lead. It's available on Amazon. And we have come now to a chapter called Getting Stuff Done. And as the uh, the little intro said, um, this is about delegation. And your first reaction might be like I did, which is just to yawn. You know, why are we talking about delegation? Are you serious? I mean, all of these cool concepts out there in the world today, and we're going to talk about something as boring sounding as delegation. And the reason for that, I think, is because um, it is largely a lost art. And we've used the word empowerment uh, to describe, I think, what, what is really delegation. And it is like when I say it's a lost art, I say that because it is a critical skill. It is a critical behavior for, for leaders, for good leaders. And one of the things that I have found is that people have been frustrated by their bosses when they are poor at delegating. And, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about what, what makes good delegation delegation what, and what is not good delegation and a little bit about micromanagement as well, which comes to, comes to play here. So first of all, let me ask this question. What is the basic reason for leadership? Think about that. There's lots of reasons for leadership, right? But what at its very core, why do we put people in charge of other people? Why do we create an org chart where we have individuals responsible for a group of other individuals in some way? And I would challenge you to think of it this way. I think the main, the main reason, the basic reason for even having a leadership structure is to get stuff done through people. You know, when there's a bottleneck of you know, one person calling all the shots and making all the decisions, that inevitably leads to the fact that people are standing around waiting to be told what to do. And so, you know, leadership is in place so that we can learn how to delegate and we can get stuff done through people. And so... Bear with me and, and see if you agree that this is a lost art. This is a skill that we all need to be practicing probably more than we already do. So in order to kind of unpack this, I'm going to discuss three things. One, uh, preparation for delegation. Two, the conversation itself. And I use the word conversation very specifically. And then number three, debriefing after the delegation process. So first of all, let's start with preparation. And you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I am not a guy who likes to prepare. And I probably said this on several different occasions. But preparing, planning, um, all of that is, is very hard for me because I am I'm very action-focused. I, I, I like to do a little planning, and then I want to jump in and kind of let it, let it fly. Others don't struggle with it as much. But delegation is one of those things that requires preparation. It requires that we sit down before... We hand something off to another person to do, and if we fail to do that, we will fail to hand off the project or hand off the assignment properly. We will very likely miss something very important that we thought we 
communicated that we didn't communicate. So what do you do in, a, in preparation? Well, I like to say that one of the things we do to start off is just start to identify the deadlines and deliverables. That's exactly what it sounds like. When is this thing going to be due? Are there any interim steps that have to be done, you know, before the final project is delivered? Um, and what are the deliverables? What does a finished product look like? What are my expectations? So there may be some very specific specifications. Those are the things that we need to document carefully so that when we hand this thing off to somebody, they know exactly what we expect and they're not guessing at the quality level or the, or the structure or, or the components of whatever it is that we're asking them to do. So that's the deadlines and deliverables. Um, the second thing we want to do is to choose the delegate. Now, this only happens if you have the luxury of more than one person to choose from. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we have, you know, one person is responsible for a certain type of project and we can't choose somebody else. But once we identify the, the deadlines and deliverables, we might want to choose the delegate carefully. All right. So if this is the, this is the time frame and this, what, this is what needs to be delivered, who do I have that's best suited and ready to do that? So if you have the opportunity you might be able to choose a delegate that's best suited. If you only have one delegate or you're forced to go to a certain person with this project, you might want to go back and revisit the deadlines and deliverables based on who that delegate is, right? So you've got you've got your deadlines kind of in place. Then you realize, oh, I got Tom. Tom is the person I'm going to have to hand this to. Wow, I'm going to go back and revisit and change the deadlines because I think I'm going to need to build in some time for Tom, you know, to come back to me and check on, you know, be checked in on. So that's how that kind of works. A little bit of a cycle there. All right, so the next thing I want you to do is I want you to think about identifying and documenting navigational buoys before you meet. What are navigational buoys? Well, really, these are the constraints, the expectations, the rules, if you will, uh, within which a person can operate when they deliver the project. So an, an example of a navigational buoy may be a budget. You know, you say, you say, you know, here's the project, but here's the budget. You need to stay within the budget. Um, it may be a set of expectations or guidelines that aren't really negotiable. So a person can use their autonomy and they can make decisions, but they have to stay within a certain set of guidelines, right? And these guidelines may be given by you. They might be specifications by a client or a customer or a regulator. They may be, there may be simply expectations handed down from above. So your boss says, oh, you know, here's the project that your, uh, your team needs to deliver and here are the guidelines. You can do whatever you want, but I want this part done. Those are the navigational buoys that we, we lay out in advance so that we can be sure to communicate them. All right. The second thing we do is after we have done this preparation, we've got a pretty good plan in place. Now we need to have a delegation conversation. And I call it a delegation conversation because it's very tempting to shortcut this process, right? It's very tempting to shoot an email, like forward an email, and hope that the person kind of picks it up and understands the, the information. It's also very tempting to just do a very quick flyby. You stop by someone's office and you say, hey, can you, can you do this thing for me? The conversation needs to be thought out. And so we've, got, we've, we've just done the preparation. Now it's time to sit down and have the conversation. It's a short meeting, but it shouldn't be done over email. It shouldn't be done in a text message. We need to sit face-to-face -face with somebody as best we can and go over what we need to talk about. So what do we talk about in a, in a delegation conversation? I, I think of two big Ds when I think of that. I think of details and I think of dialogue. Details, first of all, is just exactly what we've just documented in our preparation. The deadlines, the deliverables, the buoys. But the second D in the conversation is, the, is for dialogue. It seems intuitive, right, that a conversation is two-way. But too often in the context of delegation, the delegation conversation is a monologue. It's a one-way dump from the boss to the subordinate that says, you know, here's what I want, go do it. And 
And I like to think of dialogue because I think it means that there needs to be interaction. And so there are three things that I think I would recommend in the delegation conversation when it comes to dialogue. Number one, check for understanding. Check for understanding means that after you're laying out this project and you look the person in the eye and you say, you know, now is anything that I've said unclear? You know, one way to check for understanding is to ask them to read back what they think they heard you say. And this can be done in a way that's not offensive, right? It's not like, you know, treating a four-year-old, okay, read back to me what you wrote down. No. It's more like, hey, I want to make sure that this message was delivered clearly to you, but I'm not necessarily sure I did a good job delivering the message. Why don't you read back the details of what you heard in terms of what's due and, and what it needs to be like and all of that, and then I can see if I forgot to mention something. All right, so number two is gather commitment is another element of dialogue, gather commitment. What do I mean by that? I mean that before you end this little handoff meeting, you say to the person, do you have everything you need to deliver this on time? Do you have any reservations? Do I have your commitment that you, you, you will do this? You don't have to necessarily say, do I have your commitment? But you can get an affirmation that they, um, they've heard you, they understand what's, what's due and, and when it's due, and they're ready to go and tackle the project. So you just had a meeting with a person, you've handed them a new project, a great thing to do is to help them reprioritize. A lot of people will take on a project and they and they want to look valuable, they want to look competent, and so they don't they don't show any apprehension. Then they go back to their desk and they go, "How am I going to get this done in light of everything else I've got to do?" <laughs> right? And so they'll panic, you know? They'll panic, they'll involve other people, they won't come back to you and say, "Listen, I don't know how to get all this stuff done. Yesterday you gave me this other project and now you're giving me this one." So Helping to reprioritize is asking them this question. All right, so I've just asked you to do this new thing. Do you have any concerns about what else you have to do that I can help reprioritize? You know, I realize I just added this to your, to your current load. How's that make you feel? You know, that's just kind of it. And, and what that'll do is that'll open up the willingness of the individual to share, well, actually, yeah, I'm a little freaked out right now. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I'm a little confused right now because two days ago you gave me this project, said it was priority number one, and now you're giving me this new thing and you're, you're saying it's priority number one. Which is it? What do you want first? And by opening up that dialogue, this person can bring back to your own recollection all of the things that you've asked for that you may not have even remembered. And so when they, when they verbalize it and they tell you these are the things that you've asked me to do, which is the right priority, you may hear one and go, oh, my goodness, yeah, this, that, that thing I gave you two days ago, put that on the back burner. This is number one. That reprioritization is going to help alleviate a lot of anxiety, right? Maybe we've all been there. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've worked under a boss that just dumps, dumps, dumps. And there's no awareness of what else is going on. Very, very frustrating. And it's tempting to just shoulder it and go back and kind of figure it out. Just work more hours, work in the evenings, take it home that night. To No, all of those things can be destructive. So we need to be open and honest with our bosses and say, hey, no offense, but you just, you just dumped on, on this new project, and I'm not sure how I'm going to squeeze it in. That's not weakness. That's courage. So let's move on to the third piece, and that is debriefing. Very briefly, shouldn't have to mention this, but for people who tend to like to move on to the next thing, debriefing is hard because it means you got to circle back and, and talk about things. Um, After-action reviews, post-mortems, I mean, they have a lot of different names, but uh, they kind of drive me crazy because, you know, I'm a kind of person who wants to move on to the next project. I don't want to spend a lot of time going over the past projects, but it is something that good leaders need to do, right? We need to do this. 
And so what do you do in a debrief meeting? So the project's, you think the project's done. If you don't do debriefing, you don't have a good way of evaluating the effectiveness, the, the quality, the process. And so we get back together with the person and we do a couple of things. One, we want to review the end product. We review the quality, the budget, the timeliness, you know, what went well, what didn't go so well. But even more than that, I think it's a great idea to debrief the delegation process itself. Did I give you enough detail so that you could do this project? Did you feel that you had to go and kind of research things on your own? Um, what could I have done differently? And, and more importantly, during the project, how, how did you find my support level and my involvement? Was it too much? Was it too little? Debrief those things. Anything you do to debrief those, talk about those things, will lead to better projects in the future. Okay, and that was Hell's Bells. And as you know, if you're a listener of this podcast, Hell's Bells tells us that um, you've talked long enough and it is time to wrap up and get concrete about some specifics. And so before I give you three points to remember, five questions to ask yourself and one action, I want to mention just briefly one last idea about micromanagement as it relates to delegation. Now, micromanagement is one of the things that comes out in all of our workshops and in our research about um, bad bosses. When, when a person becomes experienced, the last thing they need is someone all up in their business, right? And some bosses can't let go. They're very micromanagement oriented. And here's where micromanagement comes in in, in light of what we talked about so far in this episode. Remember when I talked about buoys? Well, buoys is where micromanagement shows up. We need to be careful about this, especially when we're delegating to someone who is capable, who has experience, who has shown no need for a lot of hand-holding and, and, and attention and hovering. Um, we want to we adjust our management style to provide as few buoys as possible you know, that would still ensure that the project is done within required guidelines. Buoy overload leads to micromanagement, so we want to be careful about that. Of course, it all depends on the delegate, right? Choosing a delegate that needs more involvement is one thing, but when you have a delegate who, who has done this before, watch the number of buoys. That's what I would say. Just watch the number of buoys. Okay, as is our custom this season, I'm going to wrap up this episode with three points to remember, five questions to ask yourself, and one action you can do right now. Here you go. Number one, getting stuff done through the people assigned to us is the most fundamental reason we have organizational structures and reporting relationships in the first place. Think about that. All right. Second thing, careful, thoughtful delegation is imperative to ensure that your expectations are clear, that the message has been received, and the right results will follow. If you want good results and you want what you expect, delegate carefully, right? And third, it's powerful and trust-building when you humbly seek feedback on your delegation skills while you debrief after a delegated assignment is complete. Debriefing is not just checking the work. It's checking your own delegation skills. All right, five quick questions to ponder as you think about your own delegation process. Number one, do I plan my expectations and requirements before I hand off assignments? Number two, do I tend to lay down so many buoys that I remove all freedom and autonomy? All right, number three, could I be accused of helicopter management by hovering over my people, asking for constant updates or opportunities to review their work? All right, so if you have a checkpoint set up every day at 3 o'clock to review a project, that might be too much. That's helicopter management. Number four, am I retaining tasks for myself because deep down I don't think others will do them right? And number five, do I remember to circle back to debrief the project before moving on? 
All right, so one action you can take right now when it comes to delegation. Search your to-do list or your calendar and select one thing right now that you can delegate to someone on your team and then do it. Not only will they be empowered, but this will also create margin in your schedule to do other tasks of leadership. Very, very important. All right, so I know that was fast. Um, I know delegation can sound like a boring topic, but I'm hopeful that just listening to this um, has increased your level of awareness on the importance of what delegation can do. Um, not just getting stuff done and, and producing results, but creating the right degree of autonomy and empowerment in people and reducing the anxiety that comes along with unclear expectations and overwhelming obligations. All right, so that's all for today. And remember, you can break the cycle of bad bossing if you commit to the mindset and skill set of real life leadership. Have a great week, everyone. Stay safe.